Well, after a couple of weeks of considering the events of Holy Week, of course, we looked at Palm Sunday and then last week. Uh, can you believe last week was Easter? Boy, time is weird sometimes. <laughs> on, on the one hand, it seems like it was weeks ago, but it was just last week. Uh, last week was Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. And so after a couple of messages getting us thinking about the events of Holy Week, uh, we return now to the Sermon on the Mount. And probably for a few more weeks, and I think if my calendar lines up with the, the physical calendar, we will wrap up the Sermon on the Mount on our last Sunday here before transitioning back to the Grove. So just to reorient us for a moment, the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever given. Even folks that don't believe in God and the Bible from a literary point of view recognize that. The Sermon on the Mount, possibly the closest thing we have to a manifesto from Jesus. And if it is possibly that, it's worth us reading it, knowing it, uh, spending time in it. Because, as we've said almost every week, the Sermon on the Mount shows us what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom, right? We, we are citizens of this country, those of us here, I think, all of us. And there's a place for national citizenship. And then, of course, we live in California, we live in Sonoma County, and we live in different cities. And so we are citizens down here. But if we are Christians, if we are followers of Jesus, we are first and foremost citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And the Sermon on the Mount tells us what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And then we've also talked about, really, therefore, the Sermon on the Mount gets down to who we are to be as kingdom citizens. And then what we're to do as kingdom citizens. So it's a wonderful set of three chapters, Matthew 5, Matthew 6, and Matthew 7. And so we return today to Matthew 7, as I read a few moments ago. Well, many of you will know, shifting a second to another piece of literature, Act 3, Scene 1 of Shakespeare's play, Hamlet. Prince Hamlet asks the very famous question, to be or not to be? That is the question. And that is an excellent question. Of course, it's very well known. It's one of the most well-known lines quoted in modern English. But I have a slight modification on that today. And it's this, to judge or not to judge? That is the question. And that is the question before us as we come to Matthew chapter 7. It's a question that emerges from the passage that I read a few moments ago. Are we to make judgments or not? After all, the opening words, Matthew 7, 1, judge not, lest you be judged. Pretty clear, isn't it? In fact, some preachers tell us that John 3.16 is no longer the most quoted verse in the Bible. Some research shows that it's now fallen to second place behind Matthew 7.1. But verse 6, which I read, does seem to have some judgments being made. After all, Jesus calls some people dogs and some people pigs. Is that not a judgment? So, to judge or not to judge, that's the question that I hope we can at least consider today. As I say often, I hope today is a, a sure word. I don't think it'll be the final word, but I hope what we cover today is, is a sure word on this topic. So, as we are in Matthew 7, within the Sermon on the Mount, verses 1 through 6, we're going to do two things, I hope. Well, three, but I want us to see two things from Jesus. First, the danger of judging, and there is a danger 
to judging, but then we're also going to see the danger of not judging. The danger of judging, the danger of not judging. And yes, this is master teacher Jesus. Um, In fact, this passage is considered one of those hard sayings of Jesus. If you research that or look up books on the hard sayings of Jesus, this one falls into it. So those are our two main things from Jesus, but we've got a third thing we're going to do. So one more time, the danger of judging, which is really about inappropriate judging. Then number two, the danger of not judging, which is really about appropriate judging or evaluating. And then three, how do we work this out? How do we work it out? Okay, so that's our brief outline of where we're going this afternoon. So first then, the danger of judging, Matthew 7, 1 to 5. If you have your Bible, please open or swipe there so we're all on the same page, so to speak. And let's, let's dive in, the danger of judging. So again, let me reread verse 1, Matthew 7. Judge not that you be not judged. As I, as I mentioned a moment ago, this is, uh, by some calculations, the most quoted verse in in the world nowadays. Uh, It's one you hear all the time. Um, And Jesus seems pretty clear. Judge not, right? Don't be judgy. Uh, If we wanted to uh, sort of give a proof text to uh, the pluralistic world, the the world that says all things go, this would be it. I mean, it's right there in the very words of Jesus. Judge not that you be not judged. Don Carson, one of my favorite New Testament scholars, he likes to quote his dad, who was a pastor in French Canada many years ago, and his dad apparently used to say, a text, as in a Bible text, a text without a context is a pretext for a proof text. Did you get all those texts? A text without a context is a pretext for a proof text. In other words, proof texts are not good. And, and, and any time we take one verse and, and try to build too much on it, we, we are in danger of having it be, um, be this, this proof texting, which is not a good thing. Another person I listen to sometimes, he says, never read a Bible verse. And his point is, like, you got to read the context, read the verses before, read the verses after. So as we come to Matthew 7, 1, I'm not going to argue with what it says. Jesus says, judge not that you be not judged. But he has a few other things to say as well. And we have to see this verse in its context, not only in Matthew 7, but but really in the whole Bible, okay? We don't want to be guilty of proof texting, let alone proof texting Jesus. And that's really what most people do when they quote this. They're they're using it as a proof text. So the word judge, let's just get into it then. Jesus says, judge not, okay? This word judge it's got quite a range of meaning, like a lot of words. It can mean to judge judiciously, uh, okay, like in a courtroom. Uh, it can mean to condemn. It can be that kind of a condemnation uh, of a judgment. It can mean to discern, to, to, to make a mindful judgment, to discern. And here, what it cannot be is that Jesus is forbidding all forms of judgment, Now, I know he says judge not, but it can't be that he's forbidding all forms of judgment. Again, as I mentioned already, he's going to call some people dogs in our very passage today and pigs. Um, As we get toward the end of the Sermon on the Mount in a few weeks, he's going to warn against false teachers. Doesn't that mean he's making a judgment that some teachers are false? 
Okay? So he's not just making this blanket statement that we're to not have any judgments and so forth. Okay? After all, in the Gospel according to John, chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus said, Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Same word. Same exact word. Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Same word. So here in Matthew 7, the danger of judging, again, what is it? Well, it's, it's inappropriate judging, or really the context has to do with being judgmental, okay? Being, being critical. So again, right? Words. Words have meaning in context. And then uh, words have meaning based on things going on. So we can make judgments. I hope any of the parents in the room uh, make good judgments on who will be their babysitters. Well, we, we would say that's the right kind of judgment to make. Hopefully not with a judgmental or critical spirit, but if you're evaluating people, uh, you, you're going to make a judgment as a parent on who should or shouldn't watch your, your children. The Bible would call that wise and being caring toward your kids and so forth, okay? So it's not a blanket, make no judgments, okay? Here in Matthew 7, again, the context is judging inappropriately and, and really being judgmental, being, being critical. It's, it's about the heart, the motive, okay? It, it's helpful for us to jump to the Apostle Paul in Romans 14, verses 10 to 13, very much a parallel idea biblically, although again, one is Jesus where we are, and then the other is the Apostle Paul. Romans fourteen ten through 13 says, why do you pass judgment on your brother or sister? Or you, why do you despise your brother or sister? Right? Those, are, those are attitudes of, of the heart. And then Paul writes, for we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother or sister. So if we look at that as, as, as a sort of parallel idea, it seems then back here in Matthew 7, that's what Jesus has in mind, this, the same kind of force of being judgmental or, or critical. Let's keep going. Verse 2, Jesus says, For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Literally, it's like he says, for with the judgment you judge, you will be judged. I mean, again, a lot of wordplay going on uh, there. And then with the measure you use, it'll be measured. Okay. We've heard language like this already in the Sermon on the Mount. It's very proverbial. Jesus had said back in Matthew 5 verse 7, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Or in chapter 6 verse 12, forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And then just a couple verses later, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And we talked in that message that forgiven people, Christians, forgive. To not forgive 
might indicate that you have not been forgiven. It's, it's not necessarily a tit-for-tat kind of a thing that, oh, if I don't forgive, then God will not forgive me like at the end of life kind of a thing. It, but it's a heart check. If, if we are not forgiving people, that, that seems to indicate maybe we haven't received God's forgiveness. The Scriptures have a lot to say on forgiveness. And forgiven people forgive. We've been forgiven the greatest debt to, to have sinned against a perfect and holy God. But here it's, it's judging, right? It's being judgmental, not being forgiving and loving and giving evidence, having a conceit and arrogance toward people. It's, it's that type of an idea. And that's the whole point of this sort of proverbial verse 2, right? Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you judge, you'll be judged. Christians who have been judged righteous in Christ ought to be the kind of people that don't have a judgmental, critical spirit toward people, that don't just make condemnations toward people. I love, again, Don Carson. I love how he puts it. The rigor of the disciples' commitment to God's kingdom and the righteousness demanded of them do not authorize them to adopt a judgmental attitude. That's for you and me as well. We are disciples. We're followers of Jesus. It, we, don't, we are not authorized to have a judgmental attitude. Carson goes on, those who judge, judgmental, critical, like this, will in turn be judged, not by men, which would be of little consequence, but by God, which fits the tone here in this sermon. The Christian, the disciple, who takes it on himself to be the judge of what another person does, usurps the place of God and therefore becomes answerable to him. Again, the concern is over and over again with with the heart, with motives. Again, the danger here is inappropriate judging, being judgmental and being critical. The late John Stott, he wrote this, this command to judge not, it's not a requirement to just be blind, but rather it's a plea to be generous. Jesus does not tell us to cease to be men, that is, human by suspending our critical powers, which help us distinguish things versus animals. No, but to renounce the presumptuous ambition to be God by setting ourselves up as judges. At the end of the day, we, we don't know the heart. And, and so it's a heart issue. It comes back again to a heart issue. And we need God's help with this. And we're going to come back to that in a minute. Now look at verses three through five. Jesus gives an example Jesus, such a good teacher, master teacher. He he gives an example to help. Verses 3 to 5. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, hey, let me take that speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, Take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Such a master teacher. Jesus, right, a carpenter, he would have known what it was like to work with wood and to get sawdust or, or splinters, you know, in your eyes. Probably a lot of us can relate to that. And so he's making quite a point. And notice, there's still a place for helping people get the specks out of their eyes, 
right? He says, first, remove the log, remove the beam. Again, speaking in hyperbole, right? Before we, we go and, and help others with, with specs, doesn't that imply judgment? It means there's a judgment being made about something. He says, first, take a look at yourself. If you've got some plank, I mean, that's hyperbole. No one has a plank in their eye, but we can all relate to sawdust. We can all relate to, you know, little particles in our eyes. Jesus says, deal with, with that plank. Deal with yourself. Then, then you're able to help your brother or sister with, with the specks that are in their eyes, which again implies making some judgments. This is huge for us. There remains a place to help people with specks in their life. Again, it's so easy for me, I'll just be the one, to, to like denounce the big hairy things that we, we see, maybe on the news, maybe social media, whatever, like those big horrible things. Chris and I were just talking about even, <laughs> this might be a little too close to home, but some of the bad things going on in uh, neighboring mayors to the north of here, okay? Like horrible things. And it's easy to just, you know, go on about those things. And, and if, 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 it's, if there's never a, oh God, you know, I think of that parable, a little aside, but again, Jesus, he tells the parable of the Pharisee who went up to pray and this tax collector and, and the Pharisee stands far off and is, is you know, looking with disdain on, on, on this tax collector. Oh God, thank you that I'm not like him. You know, I, I do all this stuff for you, right? And then, and then the tax collector, he, he won't even look up. I mean, he's down and he, he beats his breast and, and he, he just, he knows he needs grace. He, he, he knows that he's got issues. So it's, my point is, it's easy for, for, for me to, oh, you know, those politicians, of course, figures, politicians, and, you know, big hairy things we all hear about. And, and if we're never aware of the stuff inside, Oh, and I'm aware of it. The Lord knows. Those, those that are closest to me know, know my failures. Um, we need to deal with the stuff in our life, the planks, um, before we, we try to help. And see, notice the difference too. I wasn't even offering to go help the politician to the north. I, I don't know this person. But whatever it is, it's easy to, to get all up about big things and other people without God, search my heart. God, help me. A passage that's always been important to me is Galatians 6, 1. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Listen, the Apostle Paul says, Brothers, sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression, like a sin, so someone, a fellow Christian is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him or her in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. There, there's so much there, but again, people get caught in sins, brothers and sisters in the Lord. And what does God say through Paul? You who are spiritual. So who's spiritual? Anyone with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean you who are like, you know, 4.5 of your spiritual class versus, you know, a C students. No, to be spiritual means you, you're walking with the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit. Presumably, any of us. It doesn't mean perfection. You who are spiritual, you, you who you're dealing with the planks in your life, 
you who are spiritual and you're, you're walking in step with the Spirit, confessing your sin regularly, right? You go and, and help. That's, again, means making some judgments and, and helping people with their specs. But it's done, notice again, with a spirit of gentleness, all the while keeping watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. We have a responsibility to one another. We, we, we have one, church. Um, I need you all to help me with the specks that, that, that are in my eyes. I do. And, and I need to help you with the specks in your eyes. And, and it, I mean, that's part of being in the church. It's part of being a Christian. To be a Christian is to be part of the church, capital C church, to be part of a local body. And we need that. We need that. It's, it's assumed. It's expected. Again, so many other passages we could look at. In 1 Corinthians 5, the Apostle Paul makes a judgment about a so-called brother in the church who's not living like it. And, and he makes a judgment with God's blessing. Uh, and there's others as well. Galatians 1, making a judgment about those who preach another gospel and what should happen to them who do preach a different message and, and so on. We need God's help though. And again, we'll get to that at the end. So Jesus is warning of the dangers of judging, okay? But it's about inappropriate judging. It's about judgmental, critical stuff that comes from within. But secondly, here in verse 6 now, just one verse, he wants to help us with a warning of the danger of not judging. So verse 6 of Matthew 7. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest you trample them underfoot and, turn, and they turn to attack you. So I'm, again, calling this the danger of not judging, okay? We have the danger of judging, and now we have the danger of not judging. Some call this the danger of being undiscerning, okay? See, again, this is about appropriate judging, and it's really the flip side of the first danger. If there's a danger of, of not of being judgmental and having to worry about that, we can sometimes get so concerned, oh, I don't want to be judgmental or critical, that we fail to make some judgments where we, we ought to. So Jesus, again, is being the master teacher that he is. We, we don't want to push to either extreme, and, and we, we got to learn to do both. And again, we need God's help. So Jesus says, don't give dogs what is holy or, or sacred. I love this example because... We, we can't relate to this in our day at all. We love dogs, right? We, we call dogs man's best friend. We give them names like Rocky and Frankie and Starfire and Sadie and Sarah. Those are all real dog names connected to some of us here in uh, the church. We love our, our dogs. But in the Bible, they didn't love their dogs. No, dogs were not pets like we have today. They were considered unclean, they were wild, and, and they were despised. They were scavengers. The Jews considered them unclean, and, and in fact, it was a term, to call someone a dog was to give a term of those apart from God's people, to, to be God's enemy. First uh, Samuel 17, the story of David and Goliath, when, when David, who was just a little guy, we don't know exactly how old, but a young boy sees this giant, faces this giant, Goliath, he, he says this, 1 Samuel 17, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? 
And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Psalm chapter 22, verse 16. For dogs encompass me. Like, a lot of you like that. You like to have your dog encompass you. Okay, it was not a good thing for the psalmist. Or Proverbs 26, 11. Like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Again, the Bible and in the time of Jesus and in the time of the Bible, dogs were not viewed the way we do. And then Jesus says, don't throw pearls before pigs. Okay, pigs as well. We're not like cute pigs, not like Babe. I love the movie Babe, but, but that's not how they viewed pigs at all. In fact, they were an unclean animal. Um, to, to the Jews, but also um, they were wild and vicious and they were scavengers. Funny story, if you remember next week, okay, just as today Shane is here leading us in, in worship next Sunday, another friend of, of, of mine, but ours, his name's Jason Ashdown. He's been at Soma a few times over our 13 years. He's coming back like 20 years ago. I was remembering this. Uh, we were, when I was a youth pastor down in Southern California, I took a group of teens up to Lake Nacimiento to water ski and kneeboard and just have a great little retreat in the summer. And Jason came, the guy that's going to play next week, and we were in, in the tent. We were sharing a tent. And at Lake Nacimiento in the summer, wild boars come rummaging through your campsite at night. And it is a scary sound to hear these pigs come rustling through. And it freaked us out. It freaked the kids out. I had one of those bullhorns that's got like the, uh, 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 you know, sound. And we'd hear the pigs and we'd like look, and then we'd fire that noise at them to try to scurry them around. So ask Jason next week about wild pigs uh, 20 years ago and see if he remembers. The Apostle Peter in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 22, he says, listen to this. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to his vomit. And the sow, pig, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. Peter's connecting unclean dogs and animals in his mind and his world. And that's Jesus' point as well. These two animals here are pictured as these unclean, abominable, vicious, scavengers, unclean animals. And, and Jesus, again, uh, with, with his master way of teaching, says, don't give holy and sacred things to dogs. You wouldn't do that. We do, but, you know, back then. And, and, and don't throw pearls before swine. Jesus would tell uh, at another time a story having to do with pearls. What is Jesus' point specifically here? What, what, what do these pearls and sacred things represent? Here in Matthew, here in this context, holy things, sacred things, pearls, it has to do with the good news of the kingdom of heaven. It has to do with the good news of the kingdom of heaven. That's going to be his point later on when he speaks about pearls, okay? So again, the danger of not judging here in verse 6, that is of being discriminating, is about making appropriate judgments specifically with who we speak to about the priceless treasure of God and of our Savior and of the gospel. So there's a judgment that gets made. We are called, as I like to say, to be good newsers, to be proclaimers of the greatest news in history, right? It was what we celebrated last week. The greatest day in history, death was beaded. Jesus is alive. He rose. He's changed our lives. And we're to live in such a way before people where the, the effect of that changes us, yes, progressively, not perfection, but we become different people over time. But ultimately, we have to speak of it. 
No one is going to come to Christ just by our good life. We have to be good newsers. We have to proclaim the gospel, the good news. Okay, I'm not a baseball guy. Most of you know that. It's all about football in our home. But the Giants won yesterday, I am told. And that's good news if you're a Giants fan, right? We, we can't show that, really. We have to tell that, and then we can maybe show the effects of that and so on. Five implications, one more time from, from Don Carson, having to do with this. Okay, this is super helpful. Holy and pearls, again, that's what we possess in the gospel. It's priceless. We have this, this priceless thing in, in the good news in the gospel. Number two, not all people will receive it. Not all people will receive it. And that prepares us here in the Sermon on the Mount for how Jesus is going to end this sermon. He's going to tell in a couple of weeks, we'll see it, a couple of different stories to show that not everybody receives this and believes this. Number three, some are actually vicious toward the gospel, right? They mock, they argue, they ridicule, they make fun of, they persecute. Number four, the broader context, we know that we are to love our enemies, we are to live righteously, we are to persist in our witness as salt and light, even if they don't respond. And then number five, God may use our life to prompt so-called dogs and pigs, right, to use Jesus' words, to, to reflect. At the end of the day, though, we, we don't know. And if there's someone you love and you're sharing with them and they're just time and time again, they're just not open to it and they start to get hostile, Jesus is telling us there comes a time when you, you stop. And ultimately, God's got to be the one anyway to draw people to himself. Jesus said that in John 6, unless, unless the Father draws, no one can come to me. So we have to be good newsers. We have to share. We, we can't make judgments on, you know, duck, duck, goose, who's, who's in and who's not. We, we share, but, but we don't throw pearls before swine. We don't give sacred things to dogs. At some point, if the person, persons aren't receptive, we, we trust the sovereignty of God. God will work, and we continue to share with other people. So how do we work this out? To judge or not to judge, to, 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 to wrestle with the dangers of being judgmental and, and what that looks like, and, and then the dangers of, of, of not being discriminating with the gospel. Two concluding ways I want to encourage us tonight to work this out. Number one, we have to be biblical. We, 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 need, we need to be biblical. I just saw something yesterday. Jerry Bridges, a famous author who's not alive any longer, died a few years ago now. But he wrote this. Someone posted this. It is hypocritical to pray for victory over our sins, yet be careless in our intake of the Word of God. It is hypocritical to pray for victory over our sins, yet be careless in our intake of the Word of God. Well, I'm going to modify Jerry there just slightly and say, it's hypocritical to try to figure out how to judge, how not to judge, how to be discerning if we aren't being biblical, if we, if we aren't taking in God's Word. We, we need to go again and again to the Word and be men and women who have it shape us, have it form us, so that it helps us with these nuances. I hadn't thought for a long time about the fact that there are some people that in sharing the gospel with them, it's like putting sacred things to dogs or pearls before pigs. They, they're just trampling on it. 
That's so refreshing to hear Jesus say that. Like, I don't need to bear that. I don't need to pull my little hair out and worry that I'm not doing it right. At some point, I got to just let, let that go and trust the Lord and, and look for other ways. So if God's word isn't informing me, I might be trying to bang down this door and push something open that isn't, isn't ready to be opened. So, so we need to be biblical people. We need to know our Bible. We need to read it. And then number two, we need to be prayerful. We need to be prayerful. I've been reflecting a lot the last couple weeks on Psalm 105. If you were at our prayer meeting last week, which by the way, it was great to have our all-church prayer meeting in person at the Adventist building on Wednesday night, first Wednesday of the month. But we were in Psalm 105, and I have been thinking about those verses, especially verse 4. Psalm 105, 4 says, Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. For me, that's a call to be prayerful. If I'm going to seek the Lord, that's me praying, seeking Him and His strength and His presence continually. Gosh, I don't know how to wrestle with, am I being appropriately, making appropriate judgments, or am I being judgmental and critical? God, I need you. Help me know what's going on so I can do it the right way. Am I supposed to continue to share the gospel or not? I need to seek the Lord. I need to seek His strength. I need to seek His presence continually. And there's dozens of other verses that may help too, but the point is we need to be prayerful. To judge or not to judge, that's the question. Jesus brings it up and He he gives us a tough saying. We need We need God's help. We need God's help. Let's pray. Father, we we can understand why the world loves the verse, judge not. Because we've been on the receiving end probably, I know I have, of, of a judgmental, critical spirit. And I know I've had that. I have that. So, Father, I confess, we confess. But we need your help. We want to take Jesus seriously. We want to not be judgmental and critical in the wrong way. We we want to be discerning. We need help. We need that grace we sang about at the beginning. And we need to keep our eyes on you, Lord Jesus, and look to you. And therefore, we need to know you. So help us be biblical. Help us be prayerful. Help us as a church struggle through the implications of this. I pray for, for your fame and your glory in us and through us. In Jesus' name.